There's no doubt in my mind, having read the Bible some now 50 plus years, that these are the end times. Now, the end times meaning we're getting close to the consummation of the age, which is consummated with the rapture of the church and the tribulation period of seven years, uh, finishing it off by Christ coming back physically, visibly, putting his foot back on the Mount of Olives. It splits in half, and he sets up his kingdom in the city of Jerusalem. And that kingdom will be a kingdom for 1,000 years with a brief time of release of the evil one at the end, which he will, of course, immediately, with those who follow him, uh, squelch. And then we will go into eternity. The Bible doesn't say much about eternity. Everybody wants what's going to happen for all eternity. I don't know, but I can tell you the Bible does say his servants shall serve him. So we know we're going to serve him. Uh, you know, I trust God enough not to have to know everything. Amen. But there are things going on historically, worldwide, that have never happened in history. And that's big. You know, history remained the same. History relatively remained the same. There were not a really big change inventions after the wheel. And so, uh, the, you know, gunpowder came along. That was a big deal. You know, then eventual electricity came along. That was a big deal. But these are life, what we call life-changing, paradigm-shifting things. But we've had so many of them, and they've accelerated exponentially. And things have uh, radically changed to where people have... Uh, They've, they've got an idea. Well, let me go into this. This is 10 verses. I'm going to try to get down with it. I'm going to do an exposition on these verses. Uh, first, uh, Second Peter. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2 through 10. I'll read them for you. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. I'm not going to go through all of them on the screen. I'm just going to read them to you, then we're going to do one at a time. Grace and peace be multiplied uh, unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, through who? The knowledge of God and Jesus Christ. So how are you going to get grace and peace? If we didn't go any further today, you're only going to get grace and peace through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ. Every other way is going to fail you, going to let you down. And verse 3 According as his divine power hath given unto us all things. How many things? All things that pertain unto life and godliness. So another straightforward statement by Peter here. According as his divine power, that's the Holy Spirit, of course, and God, giving us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So do you want everything you need for life and everything you need for living for God? You're going to get it from God by his divine power. Through the knowledge, and then it goes on to say, through the, again, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So twice it talks about uh, being uh, the knowledge of God. Where are you going to get the knowledge of God? Where are you going to get it? Well, you got a couple sources. Number one, the Holy Spirit directly will give you some knowledge of God, but 90 5% of your knowledge of God is going to come from the Bible. I'm being generous with 5% coming directly from the Holy Spirit. 
but 95% at least is going to come from you. God has simply given us a book. He's protected it. He's preserved it. He's inspired it, and he's laid it out. This is who I am. This is what I expect, and this is what I do. You want to be saved and be with me for eternity, you must receive the Christ, Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God, who died, was buried, and rose again the third day. If you don't do that, you don't get to be with me because your sins will not be forgiven, and there will be no sin in heaven. I don't even look on sin. It cannot come in my presence. That's pretty simple. But you know, that applies more than just salvation. That goes deeper than just being saved, okay? It said, all things that pertain unto life. That's what we do every day, life. We live. And godliness, through the knowledge of him that calls it. And then it goes on verse 4, whereby we are given an exceeding great and precious promises. And by these, by these, you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption which is in the world through lust. In other words, you read the promise, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's a promise. You trust Christ as your Savior, right? You get that promise. You get the fruit of that promise. Exceeding great and precious they are. And that helps you get, uh, the, when you get born from above, the Holy Spirit comes in. You get baptized in the Holy Spirit. He begins to fill you. You begin to understand who he is. What happens is the rest of your life and my life is God opening our eyes in some direction, some degree to who he is. Who he is, what life's about, and what do I expect of you? The books of Roman through Jude are nothing but how to live the Christian life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is about Jesus his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his miracles. Acts is about the first hundred years of the church. And we learn a lot of how to operate in the book of Acts. But really, the book of Romans through Jude is how do you live the Christian life? And then Revelation is just, just so you guys can know, I'm going to tell you how it's going to all end. And, of course, that gives you peace, amen. It gives you peace to know the end. Some of you people read books, you're naughty. You go to the end of the book and read how it ends, and then you go back and read the whole book. I can't believe you do that. Newborn again believers oftentimes want to go to the book of Revelation, book of Revelation, book of Revelation, book of Revelation. Stop, 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 stop. Go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and read it 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 and read it. And when you get it real good, then go to Acts and read it, read it, read it. Then if you get that real good, begin into Romans, Romans, woo the thesis of the, of the gospel. Read Romans, 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 and then you make your way down through the book of Jude. And then the last thing you need to learn is put last in the Bible. You know, there's something about the order of that in there. The book of Revelation is last because you need to know all this other stuff real well before you go over into the book of Revelation. Forget about how the, way, how the world ends. How about concentrating on how you're living? Are you living a victorious Christian life? That's way more important than knowing if the beast is going to be, what he's going to look like. It, it, you know, a, I know a lot about the beast from reading the book of Revelation, but it doesn't really change my life. You know, I know he's not going to like women. 
And I know that, you know, he's, he's, he's going to try to change times. He's going to cut out Christmas and Easter and a bunch of this other stuff. And he may even change a calendar around him. You know, Jesus, the cal- our calendar is around Jesus' birth. But the Jewish calendar is not. The Jewish calendar reads right now 59, oh, I forgot, 59, 57, the Jewish year. The Jewish have a different calendar. They go by a different, and it makes sense to me that they would. They don't recognize. But Jesus was so monumental, so big, that we got the calendar. Basically, we got our calendar around him. And the old beast is going to think he's so big and tough and bad. He's going to change. We're going to put the calendar. We're going to change the whole deal around me. Change times and seasons and all that kind of stuff. But we don't need to know that to live the Christian life. You do not need to know. You don't even need to crack the book of Revelation until you know all that other stuff. So what a mistake young believers make without some instruction. But then he goes on and says, you got these, you got these precious promises. In verse 5 then through 9, he talks, or actually 5 through 7, he talks about very specific things that we, as born-again believers, must be diligent doing, that we have to be diligent doing. He says, beside this in verse 5, giving how much diligence? All diligence. Now, I don't know about you, but you, you understand diligence, right? My wife worked 44 years in the banking system. She was a, started out as a teller at $4 an hour. Made $4.25 an hour nine years after she had been a teller. She got a quarter raise in nine years. That's the way it used to be. And uh, so I told her probably you should be making a little bit more money than that. But she said, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it because I like to do it. I like to help people. Well, that's the way to work. Amen. That's the way to work. Gets up happy every day, wants to go into work. She diligently. One thing I learned about my wife, she's not here, and I'm going to talk about her. You'll never meet a more diligent individual than you meet that woman. She don't look like it, and she probably don't act like it. But what I've learned is she is diligent. At 18, she's a, she was a wild woman when I met her, you know, beer drinking, smoking, crazy wild woman. She got saved, and she started reading her Bible. I was raised in an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, hellfire, damnation, shingle-pulling, window-rattling church. And I had trouble having a diligence to read my Bible. Here this old heathen comes out of a pagan environment. It's born from above. She reads her Bible, buddy, and she reads her Bible. To this morning, she reads her Bible. I know where to find her in the morning. Reading her Bible. Puts me under conviction, to be honest with you. I'm a preacher now for 46 years. I still get put under conviction by that little. That's what giving diligence is about. It's putting your hand to the plow, not looking back. It's getting serious with God about it. Not to hit, miss, hit, miss, hit, miss, up, down, bop, 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 bop. That doesn't do well with God. The Bible calls that double mind, and he said, double mind a man. Don't think that that person shall get anything from God, James chapter 1. Let not that person think he shall receive anything from God. Double-mindedness is not accepted well with God. He wants you to put it down and go for it. You say, I can't do it. You can with God's help. Write that verse before that. We got, we got provision by his precious promises for everything we need, right? But it says give diligence and then it goes this list. Add to your faith. That's, you start out with faith, right? Virtue, 
And then virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, self-control, of course, temperance, patience, tribulation, bringeth patience. You don't get patient without going through hard times and struggling through them and trusting God. And then at the end of it, you realize you just hunker down, trust God, and the storm will pass by till the storm passes over. That's what that song's written about. And then you get patience. Boy, that's tough. But with, after patience will come godliness. It means God-likeness. You'll begin to think like God, want to act like God. Well, that's a beautiful thing. You're not a God, but you're going to begin to act like him. And then after that, you're going to have brotherly kindness, the word phileo there. You're going to begin to like people. I was a young kid, 18, 17, 18, I did not like people, didn't want to be around people. People meant pain to me, and I thought I'd avoid them. I'm going to be a hermit. Boy, that didn't work out. God had other plans. And then the last thing in maturity, this is a, this is a kind of a list of maturity here. You come up with agape love. This is what well, the word agape can be translated as commitment. <clears throat> when, when, when I got married to Kathy, I got married for better, for worse, sickness, health, rich or poor, to death do we part. In the exclusion of all other women, I committed myself to her. That was not some fluffy background music, tears coming down the eyes, commitment. That was a knee-shaking, you know, scary thing, really. God says, your, your, final, your final step of maturity is you're going to be committed to me. For better, for worse, in sickness and health, rich or poor, to death do you part. That's your maturity. Look at an oak tree. When it's mature, it has a characteristic of being unmovable. It has a characteristic of being solid and not blown around or tossed around by every wind of doctrine. That's what it is being a mature Christian. Verse 8, for if these things be in you, and he doesn't assume they will be, by the way. He doesn't assume they will be. If these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a promise. I don't want to go to heaven and be barren. I don't want to go to heaven at that, great, at that, at that beam of seat of Christ where he stacks all your works up in a pile and the fire of God's knowledge and judgment goes through that. And whatever's been for God, whatever's been in the will of God is the only thing that remains. And I don't want to have this big pile, you know, this big pile of, of works. It's not sin now. It's works pile up there and then have God's judgment go through it in front of all the hosts of heaven and then end up with about a little deal like this. Well, that's it. That's the only, that's all you, that's all, that's the, the gold, silver, and precious stone. That's all that, the rest of it was fluff. The rest of it you did for yourself. The rest of it you just, you know, you just did it because you, but it wasn't my will, right? Because he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You can look at a search up on the will of God, it's big. So the final product will be, you'll be not, bare. when that happens, there'll be a nice pile left. Not, we're all going to have stuff burn up. Oh, come on, we're all going to have stuff burn up. But you're going to end up with something substantial for the kingdom of God. 
Because the millennial period, after he puts his feet on the Mount of Olives, splits it in half and begins to rule out Jerusalem, the millennial period is when we, according to Peter, we're a royal priesthood. Well, I don't, what do, what do you mean royal priesthood? That means you got it. You got a job that you are going to be given in the millennium of management. It's going to be a management position. Now, you may manage one city, two cities, three cities, four cities, five cities, six cities, ten cities, hundred cities, but you're going to manage these people that come out of the tribulation period and go into the millennium and they start having babies. They're going to live to eight, nine hundred years old. They're going to start having babies. The curse is going to be turned back. There's going to be a lot of population. It's going to be a population explosion during the millennial period when Christ is ruling, reigning, uh, because there's going to be peace. There'll be no more. It's been said the best government that ever ever has been will be Jesus. And so there'll be beautiful justice and peace. And so, you know, you're going to live to probably eight, eight, nine hundred. And you won't. You and I will have our eternal bodies like in his glorious body. And we're going to be forever with him as his servants. But these people aren't there yet. These mortals that will be coming in from the tribulation period to the millennial. These people will have bodies like these, like we have. They'll still have carnal natures. How do I know that? After all that wonderful, beautiful time, Satan's going to be released for a little season at the end. And a bunch of them are going to follow him. The biggest mystery in the whole Bible to me is at the end of the millennium, knowing Jesus is righteous, knowing things are good, knowing how they're going to follow the evil one as he lies to them with fake news. Anyway, so it says, verse 9, but he that lacketh these things. So what he's saying in verse 8 and 9 is, There are people that don't get it. They get saved. Get saved. They're going to heaven. But they don't get how important it is to serve God. They don't get how important it is to give all diligence. Now, you know, that's big, all diligence. All diligence. Like my woman. I mean, I'm just, I'm telling you, she, she's unbelievable about how diligent she is about reading her Bible. And you know what I've seen in her? Because she's been so diligent reading the Bible, I've seen her transformed by the renewing of her mind. That is not the same woman I married. She ain't even close. And, uh, I wish she would say that about me, but she may, I don't know. But, uh. but look what he says in verse 9. But he that lacketh these things is what? Blind and cannot see afar off. Is that nearsighted? Doc, is that nearsighted when you can't see far off? I never have been able to figure that out. They call you nearsighted when you can't see far off and farsighted when you can't see close. But anyway. I'm both far-sighted and near-sighted. How do you like that? I take my glasses off. I can't see anything anywhere. And by the way, you look a lot better. I got these, these computerized $1,500 bad boy uh, silhouettes, they're called. The best glasses known to man. And uh, I forget I got them on. 
It's a beautiful invention. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I wish hearing aids worked that good. He that lack of these things is blind, cannot see far off. Why? They've forgotten that they were purged from their old sins. Lack of gratitude. They forgot they got purged from their old sins. You know what you and I need to constantly do? Remind ourselves where you've come from. Remind yourself that you were on the way to hell without hope. And Jesus stepped in. You may get happy. Brother Jeff gets around where people get happy. This church is pretty stoic. But you get around to some of the most southern churches, they're not so stoic. They run around the room, they get happy, throw their Bibles up, kick their feet up. You say, I've been in them, shouting Baptist churches. I love. But you are what you are. I'm not criticizing you. I just know that when you get to heaven, you're going to loosen up on that law. But uh, it'll take heaven to probably do that. But they, they were personal. They got gratitude. Never forget. I, I remember Dwight Patterson. You never knew. How many knew Dwight Patterson? One, two, three, four. The group's getting smaller. Dwight Patterson preached 42 years, Kokomo, Indiana. Had a beautiful little church up there. Did God's will faithfully. Retired down to gospel. Had the most beautiful set of white hair. It was thicker than, and, and, and uh, Jeff's probably just had a haircut, but it was, it was thick like Jeff's. Had a wave in it. Solid white. Really, honestly, a beautiful head of hair on a man. And he was in his mid-80s. And he had a baritone voice, rich, deep, solid baritone voice. And he got up here one day, and I'm innocently coming to church, not knowing what's going to happen. And I sit back where I normally do, and he gets up here and he goes, he starts out, I have never lost the wonder of it all. I have never lost the wonder of it all since the day that Jesus saved me and a whole new life he gave me. I have never lost the wonder of it all. But it sounded like that guy used to sing for Billy Graham. I can't remember his name right now. Is his name Barrows? Beverly Shea. Was his name Beverly? George. Who, who was Beverly? George Beverly Shea. George Beverly Shea, wasn't it? I don't want to talk to his mother about that. But anyway, it's like a boy named Sue, man. Don't do it. And it, when he sang it, it started in my toes and started to make its way up the thrill that I got saved. I had me a little party, a little rejoicing party. Never forget where you've come from. Don't you ever get big in your own eyes. Stay small in your own eyes. 
The problem with Saul was he got big in his own eyes. The problem with Solomon was he got big in his own eyes. The problem with David was he forgot he was a little sheep herding boy when he took Bathsheba. And you and I will go the same way they went because we're not better than them. If you don't, if you don't keep reminding yourself of where you come from and who got you there. Amen. Woo! I'm saved by the grace of God. There's songs all over it. Right? Then, then the, it says, so he that lack of these things, they're blind, cannot see far off, they're forgotten. So they're blind, they can't see, and they've forgotten. Three things. And he was purged from their old sin. Don't ever let gratitude die on the altar of a man's heart. I think what Bob Jones Sr. said, when, when gratitude dies on the altar of a man's heart, he's well nigh hopeless. A lot of the problems with a marriage is you get ungrateful for your spouse. Oh, this is good marriage counseling. Always stay grateful for who you married. You heard me just do a little gratitude about my woman. Yeah, I've had women through the years try to get me away from her. And I thought, why in the world would I forsake something beautiful and wonderful and fabulous like I got for you? Which you, at that point, that person just represented horror, trouble, sorrow. And it'll keep you, keep you faithful to your woman. Verse 10, wherefore, the rather, brethren, Oh, not that word again. Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. Now that makes a Calvinist cringe right there. Because it didn't say if God does these things in you, you'll never fall. It's real clear. It says if you do these things, you'll never fall. God places a lot of responsibility on your plate. When you go to heaven, you're not going to be able to point a finger at God and say, you never helped me like you should have. He said, I was there to help you. I gave you the book. I gave you the blood. I gave you the blessed hope. I'm there to help you. I gave you the Holy Spirit, not away from you, in you. And you had everything you needed to succeed, but you didn't give diligence. Because you know, look how many times that word appears. Diligence, 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 diligence. It's all over. Look in verse 5, diligence. What in the world? Diligence. That is your responsibility to do. You say, Brother Bill, I'm just not a diligent type of person. What do I do? What do I do when I fail? Besides you enjoy it. But what do I do when I what do I do when I fail? I don't go to Maxwell and say, Maxwell, can you help me? He can't help me. I go to God. Brother Mary, you only got one person that's really gonna help you in school, help you through school, out of school, in your practice if you make it that far and all that, it's gonna be God. That's it. That's only, it's gonna be him. He's gonna help you. Now, he'll raise people up around you to help you if you please him. If you please God, people will be burdened to help you make it through, go through. 
have already happened. It's already happened. And uh, people come to me sometimes saying, I don't have the finances to go to a Christian school. I said, you never have to worry about money. God never talked about money. He owns everything. If you decide to do the right thing, God will raise the money up. That's what I've learned. If you do the right thing, God will raise the money up. What's he do? People with money wakes them up in the night and says, I want you to help so-and-so. And they go, what? I've had him tell me this. I got burdened to help so-and-so. You think I should help him? I said, well, why are you burdened for him? Well, I just got, well, kind of just couldn't get him off my mind. I thought, God's doing it. I said, yeah, let's help him. Let's help him. Let's do it. And so you, you uh, I, I like the last part. This is a crescendo, and I, I quit at 1045. The crescendo to this is, if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. I didn't use any of my slides. They, were, they, would, they would have been a distraction to me, so I didn't use them. I'm sorry. Father, thank you for the few minutes together. Help us to just drink in the Bible. May it, may it bless our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.